0: Chapter Thirty Five of the Portion of Labor by Mary E. Wilkins Freeman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Burrard. Chapter Thirty Five. When Ellen had gone to the factory to apply for work, neither of the Lloyds were in the office. Only a girl at the desk, whom she knew slightly. Ellen had hesitated a little as she approached the girl, who looked around with a friendly smile. "I want to see." ellen began then she stopped for she did not know exactly for whom she should ask the girl who was blonde and trim clad coquettishly in a blue shirt waist and a duck skirt with a large cheap rhinestone pin confining the loop of her yellow braids looked at her in some bewilderment she had heard of ellen's good fortune and knew she was to be sent to vassar by cynthia lennox she did not dream that she had come to ask for employment you want to see mr lloyd she asked oh no replied ellen mr robert lloyd the girl said whose name was Nellie stone laughed a little meaningly as she said that ellen blushed no she said i think i want to see the foreman which foreman i don't know replied ellen i want to get work if i can i don't know which foreman i ought to see to get work repeated the girl with a subtle change in her manner yes said ellen she could hear her heart beat but she looked at the other girl's pretty common face with the most perfect fondness mr flynn is the one you want to see then said the girl you know ed flynn don't you a little replied ellen he had been a big boy when she entered the high school and had left the next spring well he's the one you want said down stone then she raised her voice to a shrill peal as a boy passed the office door here you jack said she Ask Mr. Flynn to come here. A minute, will you? He don't want to see you, replied the boy, who was small and spare, laden heavily with a great roll of wrapping paper, worn bayonet fashion over his shoulder. His round, impish face grinned back at the girl at the desk. Quit your impudence, she returned, half laughing herself. I don't want to see him. It is this young lady here. Hurry up. The boy gave a comprehensive glance at Ellen. Yes, he'll come he called back flynn appeared soon he was handsome well-shaven and shorn and he held himself smartly he also dressed well in a business suit which would not have disgraced the lloyds his face lit up with astonishment and pleasure when he saw ellen he bowed and greeted her in a rich voice he was of irish descent but american-born both his motions and his speech were adorned with flourishes of grace which betrayed his race he placed a chair for Ellen with a sweep which would have been a credit to the stage. All his actions had a slight exaggeration, as of a fresco painting, which seemed to fit them for a stage rather than a room, and for an audience rather than chance spectators. "'No, thank you,' replied Ellen. Then she went straight to the matter in hand. "'I have called to see if I could get a job here,' she said. She had been formulating her speech all the way thither her first impulse was to ask for employment but she was sure as to the manner in which a girl would ordinarily couch such a request so she asked for a job glenn stared at her a job he repeated yes i want very much to get one replied ellen i thought there might be a vacancy why i thought said the young man he was very much astonished but his natural polish could rise above astonishment instead of blurting out what was in his mind as to her change of prospects he reasoned with incredible swiftness that the change must be a hard thing to this girl and that she was to be handled the more tenderly and delicately because she was such a pretty girl he became twice as polite as before he moved the chair nearer to her please sit down he said he handed to her the wooden armchair as if it had been a throne nelly stone bent frowning over her book now let me see said the young man seriously with perfect deference of manner only belied by the rollicking admiration in his eyes you have never held a position in a factory before i think no replied ellen there is at present only one vacancy that i can think of said flynn and that does not pay very much but there is always a chance to rise for a smart hand i am sure you will be that he added smiling at her ellen did not return the smile i shall be contented to begin for a little if there is a chance to rise she said there's a chance to rise to eighteen dollars a week said flynn he smiled again but it was like smiling in seriousness itself ellen's downright searching eyes upon his face seemed almost to forbid the fact of her own girlish identity what is the job you have for me said she tying strings and shoes answered flynn easy enough only child's play but you won't earn more than three dollars a week to begin with. I shall be quite satisfied with that, said Anna. When shall I come? Why, tomorrow morning? No, tomorrow is Friday. Better come next Monday and begin the week. That will give you one day more off and the hot wave a chance to get past. Flynn spoke facetiously. It was a very hot day, and the air in the office, like a furnace. He wiped his forehead, to which the dark rings of hair clung. "'The girl at the desk glanced around, adoringly at him. "'I would rather not stop for that if you want me to begin at once,' said Ellen. "'Flynn looked abashed. "'Oh, we'd rather have you begin on the even week. "'It makes less bother over the account,' he said. "'Monday morning at seven sharp, then.' "'Yes,' said Ellen. "'Flynn walked off with an abrupt duck of his head. "'He somehow felt that he had been rebuffed, and Ellen rose.' I told you you'd get one, said the girl at the desk. Catch Ed Flynn not giving a pretty girl a job. She said it with an accent of pain as well as malice. Ellen looked at her with large, indignant eyes. She had not the least idea what she meant. At least she realized only the surface meaning, and that angered her. I suppose he gave me the job because there was a vacancy, she returned, with dignity. The other girl laughed. Maybe, said she ellen continued to look at her and there was something in her look not only indignant but appealing nellie stone's expression changed again she laughed uneasily <laughs> land i didn't mean anything said she i'm glad for you that you got the job of course you wouldn't have got it if there hadn't been a chance one of the girls got married last week maud millet i guess it's her place you've got i'm real glad you've got it thank you said ellen "Goodbye," said the girl good-bye replied ellen on monday morning the heat had broken and an east wind with the breath of the sea in it was blowing ellen started for her work at half-past six she carried her father's little worn leather bag in which he had carried his dinner for so many years the walk was so long that it would scarcely give her time to come home at noon and as for taking a car that was not to be thought of for a moment on account of the fare Ellen walked along briskly, the east wind blew in her face. She smelled the salt sea, and somehow it at once soothed and stimulated her. Without seeing the mighty waste of waters, she seemed to realize its presence. She gazed at the sky hanging low with a scud of gray clouds, which did not look unlike the ocean, and the sense of irresponsibility in the midst of infinity comforted her. I am not Ellen Brewster after all, she thought, i am not anything separate enough to be worried about what comes to me i am only a part of greatness which cannot fail of reaching its end she thought this all vaguely she had no language for it for she was very young it was formless as music but as true to her when she reached the cross street where the Atkinses lived abby and maria came running out my land ellen brewster said abby half angrily if you don't look real happy i believe you are glad to go at work in a shoe shop ellen laughed maria said nothing but she pressed close to her as she walked along she was coughing a little in the east wind there had been a drop of twenty degrees in the night and these drops of temperature in new england mean steps to the tomb you make me mad said abby her voice broke a little she dashed her hand across her eyes angrily here's granville joy said she you'll be in the same room with him ellen she said it maliciously distress over her friend made her fairly malicious ellen colored you are hard to talk to said she in a low voice for granville was coming near gaining on them from behind she don't mean it whispered maria when granville caught up with them ellen pressed so close to maria that he was forced to walk with abby or pass on she returned his good morning then did not look at him again presently willie jones appeared coming so imperceptibly that he seemed almost impossible where did he come from whispered ellen to maria hush replied maria it's this way most every morning all at once he comes and he generally walks with me because he's afraid of abby won't want him but it's abby this morning willie jones aroused perhaps to self-assertion by the presence of another man walked three abreast with abby and granville but on the other side of granville now and then he peered around the other man at the girl with soft wistful blue eyes but abby never seemed to see him she talked fast in a harsh rather loud voice she uttered bitter witticisms which made her companions laugh abby is so bright whispered maria to ellen but i wish you would talk so abby doesn't feel the way i wish she did she rebels she would be happier if she gave up rebelling and believed maria coughed as she spoke you had better keep your mouth shut in this east wind maria her sister called out sharply to her i'm not talking much abby replied maria presently maria looked at ellen lovingly do you feel very badly about going to work she asked in a low voice no not now i have made up my mind replied ellen the east wind was bringing a splendid color to her cheeks she held up her head as she marched along like one leading a charge of battle her eyes gleamed as with blue fire her yellow hair sprung and curled around her temples they were now in the midst of a great hurrying procession bound for the factories some of the men walked silently with a dogged stoop of shoulders and shambling pitcher pips some of the women moved droopingly with an indescribable effect of hanging back from the leading of some imperious hand of fate many of them both men and women walked alertly and chattered like a flock of sparrows ellen moved with this rank and file of the army of labor and all at once a sense of comradeship seized her she began to feel humanity as she had never felt it before the sense of her own littleness aroused her to a power of comprehension of the grandeur of the mass of which she was a part she began to lose herself and sense humanity when the people reached the factories two on one side of the road one lloyd's on the other they began streaming up the outside stairs and disappearing like swarms of bees in hives two flights of stairs one on each side led to a platform in front of the entrance of lloyd's when ellen set her foot on one of these stairs the seven o'clock steam whistle blew and a mighty thrill shot through the vast building ellen caught her breath abby came close to her don't get scared said she with ungracious tenderness there's nothing to be scared at ellen laughed i'm not scared said she then they entered the factory humming with machinery and a sensation which she had not anticipated was over her scared she was not she was fairly exultant all at once she entered a vast room in which eager men were already at the machines with frantic zeal as if they were driving labor herself when she felt the vibration of the floor under her feet when she saw people spring to their stations of toil as if springing to guns in a battle she realized the might and grandeur of it all suddenly it seemed to her that the greatest thing in the whole world was work and that this was one of the greatest forms of work to cover the feet of progress of the travelers of the earth from the cradle to the grave she saw that these great factories and the strength of this army of the sons and daughters of toil made possible the advance of civilization itself which cannot go barefoot she realized all at once and forever the dignity of labor this girl of the people with a brain which enabled her to overlook the heads of the rank and file of which she herself formed a part she never again whatever her regret might have been for another life for which she was better fitted which her taste preferred had any sense of ignominy in this she never again felt that she was too good for her labor for labor had revealed itself to her like a goddess, behind a sordid veil. Abby and Maria looked at her wonderingly. No other girl had ever entered Lloyd's with such a look on her face. "'Are you sick?' whispered Abby, catching her arm. "'No,' said Ellen. "'No, don't worry me, Abby. I think I shall like it.'" "'I declare you make me mad,' said Abby, but she looked at her adoringly. "'Here's Ed Flynn,' she added he'll look out for you good-bye i'll see you at noon abby went away to her machine she was stitching vamps by the piece and earning a considerable amount the atkinsons were not so distressed as they had been and abby was paying off a mortgage when the foreman came towards ellen she experienced a shock his gay admiring eyes on her face seemed to dispel all her exultation she felt as if her feet touched earth and yet the young man was entirely respectful and even thoughtful he bade her good morning and conducted her to the scene of her labour one other girl was already there at work she gave a sidewise glance at ellen and went on making her fingers fly mr flynn showed ellen what to do she had to tie the shoes together with bits of twine placed through eyelid holes ellen took a piece of twine and tied it in as flynn watched her he laughed pleasantly you'll do he said approvingly i've been in here five years and you were the first girl i ever saw who tied a square knot at the first trial here's mamie brady here she worked a solid month before she got the hang of a square knot you go along admonished the girl spoken of as mamie brady her words were flippant even impudent but her tone was both dejected and childish she continued to work without a glance at either of them her fingers flew tying the knots with swift jerks well you help miss brewster if she needs any help said flynn as he went away we don't have any misses in this shop said the girl to ellen with sarcastic emphasis i don't care anything about being called miss replied ellen picking up another piece of string what's your first name ellen oh land i know who you be you read that essay at the high school graduation i was there well i shouldn't think you would want to be called miss if you feel the way you said you did in that i don't want to said ellen the girl gave a swift comprehensive glance at her as her fingers manipulated the knots you won't earn twenty cents a week at the rate you're working she said look at me i don't believe you worked any faster than i do when you hadn't been here any longer retorted ellen i did too you can't depend on a thing, Ed Flynn says. You're awful slow. He praises you because you are good-looking. Ellen turned and faced her. Look here, said she. The other girl looked at her with unspeakable impudence, and yet under it was that shadow of dejection and that irresponsible childishness. Well, I am looking, said she. What is it? You need not speak to me again in that way, said Ellen, and I want you to understand it. I will not have it my ain't you awful smart said the other girl sneeringly but she went on with her work without another word presently she said to ellen kindly enough if you lay the shoes the way i do so you can get them faster you'll find it pays every little saving of time counts when you are working by the piece thank you said ellen and did as she was instructed she began to work with exceeding swiftness for a beginner her fingers were supple her nervous energy great flynn came and stood beside her watching her if you work at that rate you'll make it pretty profitable he said thank you said ellen and a square knot every time he added with almost a caressing inflection mamie brady tied in the twine with compressed lips grenville joy passed them pushing a rack full of shoes to another department and he glanced at them jealously still he was not seriously alarmed as to flynn who although he was good-looking was a catholic mrs zelotes seemed an effectual barrier to that ed flynn talks that way to everybody mamie brady said to ellen after the foreman had passed on she said it this time quite inoffensively ellen laughed if i do tie the knot square that is the main thing she said then you don't like him i never spoke two words to him before the day i applied for work ellen replied haughtily she was beginning to feel that perhaps the worst feature of her going to work in a factory would be this girl i've known girls who would be willing to go down on their knees and tie his shoes when they hadn't seen more of him than that said the girl ed flynn is an awful masher ellen went on with her work the girl after a side glance at her went on with hers gradually ellen's work began to seem mechanical at first she had felt as if she were tying all her problems of life in square knots she had to use all her brain upon it after a while her brain had so informed her fingers that they had learned their lesson well enough to leave her free to think if only the girl at her side would let her alone the girl had a certain harsh beauty coarsely curling red hair a great mass of it gathered in an untidy knot and a brilliant complexion her hands were large and red ellen's contrasted with them looked like a baby's you ain't got hands for workin in a shoe-shop said mamie brady presently and it was impossible to tell from her tone whether she envied or admired ellen's hands or was proud of the superior strength of her own well they've got to work in a shoe-shop said ellen with a short laugh you won't find it so easy to work with such little mites of hands when it comes to some things said the girl it began to be clear that she exulted in her large, coarse hands as being fitted for her work. "'Maybe mine will grow larger,' said Ellen. "'No, they won't. "'They'll grow all bony and naughty, but they won't grow any bigger.' "'Well, I shall have to get along with them the best I can,' replied Ellen, rather impatiently. This girl was irritating to a degree, and yet there was all the time that vague dejection about her, and withal, a certain childishness which seemed to insist upon patience the girl was really older than ellen but she was curiously unformed some of the other girls said openly that she was lacking you act stuck-up are you stuck-up asked mamie brady suddenly after another pause ellen laughed in spite of herself no said she i am not i know of no reason that i have for being stuck-up well i don't know of any either said the other girl but I didn't know. You sort of acted as if you felt stuck up. Well, I don't. You talk stuck up? Why don't you talk the way the rest of us do? Why do you say am not and aren't? Why don't you say ain't? The girl mimicked Ellen's voice impishly. Ellen colored. I am going to talk the way I think best. The way I have been taught is right, and if that makes you think I am stuck up, I can't help it my don't get mad i didn't mean anything said the other girl all the time while ellen was working and even while the exultation and enthusiasm of her first charge in the battle of labor was upon her she had had since her feminine instincts were after all strong with her a sense that robert lloyd was under the same great factory roof in the same human hive that he might at any moment pass through the room that however she did not think very likely she fancied the lloyd seldom went through the departments which were in charge of foremen mr norman lloyd was at the mountains with his wife she knew they left robert in charge and he would have enough to do in the office she looked at the grimy men working around her and she thought of the elegant young fellow and the utter incongruity of her being among them seemed so great as to preclude the possibility of it she had said to herself when she thought of obtaining work in lloyd's that she need not hesitate about it on account of robert she had heard her father say that the elder lloyd almost never came in contact with the men that everything was done through the foreman she reasoned that it would be the same with the younger lloyd But all at once the girl at her side gave her a violent nudge which did not interrupt for a second her own blind fingers say she said ain't he handsome ellen glanced over her shoulder and saw robert lloyd coming down between the lines of workmen then she turned to her work and her fingers slipped and bungled her ears rang he passed without speaking mamie brady openly stared after him he's awful handsome and an awful swell but he's awful stuck up just like the old boss said she he never notices any of us and acts as if he was afraid we'd poison him my what's the matter with you nothing said ellen you look white as a sheep ain't you well ellen turned upon her with sudden fury she had something of the blood of the violent louds and of her hot-tempered grandmother she had stood everything from this petty insistent tormentor yes i am well she replied and i will thank you to let me alone and let me do my work and do your own the other girl stared at her a minute with curiously expressive uplifted eyebrows Phew she said in a half whistle then and went on with her work and did not speak again ellen was thankful that robert lloyd had not spoken to her in the factory and yet she was cut to the quick by it it fulfilled her anticipations to the letter i was right she said to herself He can never think of me again he is showing it somehow after he had passed her enthusiasm born of a strong imagination and her breadth of nature failed her somewhat. The individual began to press too closely upon the aggregate. Suddenly, Ellen Brewster, and her own heartache and longing, came to the front. She had put herself out of his life as completely as if she had gone to another planet. Still feeling this, she realized no degradation of herself as a cause of it. She realized that, from his point of view, she had gone into a valley, but from hers she was rather on an opposite height she on the height of labor, of skilled handiwork, which is the manifestation in action of brainwork, he on the height of pure brainwork, work, unpressed by physical action. At noon, when she was eating her dinner with Abby and Maria, Abby turned to her and inquired if young Mr. Lloyd had spoken to her when he came through the room. No, he didn't, replied Ellen. Abby said nothing, but she compressed her lips and gave her head a hard jerk a girl who ran a machine next to abby's came up munching a large piece of pie taking clean semicircular bites with her large white teeth say she said did you see the young boss's new suit got up fine wasn't he i'd like to see him working where i be for an hour said a young fellow strolling up dipping into his dinner bag he was black and greasy as to face and hands and clothing guess his light pants and vest would look rather different said he and everybody laughed except the atkins girls and ellen i guess he washed his hands anyway before he ate his dinner said abby sharply looking at the young man's hands with meaning the young fellow colored though he laughed there ain't a knife in this shop so sharp as some women's tongues said he i pity the man that gets you there won't be any man get me retorted abby i've seen all i want to see of men working with em every day maybe they have of you called back the young fellow going away the saucy thing said the girl who stitched next to abby there isn't any excuse for a man's eating his dinner with hands like that said abby it's worse to poison yourself with your own dirt than with other folks it hurts your own self more he ain't worth minding said the girl do you suppose i mind him returned abby maria looked at her meaningly the young man his name was edison bartlett had once tried to court abby but neither she nor maria had ever told of it his clothes were a pearl gray said the girl at the stitching machine reverting to the original subject good gracious who cares what color they were cried abby impatiently he looked awful handsome in em said the girl he's awful handsome you'd better look at handsome fellows in your own set sadie peel said abby roughly the girl who was extremely pretty carried herself well and dressed with cheap fastidiousness colored i don't see what we have to think about sets for said she i guess way back the peels were as good as the lloyds we're in a free country where one is as good as another ain't we no one is as good as another except in the sight of the lord in any country on the face of this earth said abby if you are as good in your own sight i don't see that it makes much difference about the sight of other human beings said ellen I guess that's what makes a republic anyway. Sadie Peel gave a long, bewildered look at her. Then she turned to Abby. Do you know where I can get somebody to do accordion plating for me? she asked. No, said Abby. I never expect to get to the height of accordion plating. I know where you can, said another girl, coming up. She had light hair falling in a harsh, uncurled bristle over her forehead. Her black gown was smeared with paste and even her face and hands were sticky with it there's a great splash of paste on your nose hattie right said abby the girl took out a crumpled handkerchief and began rubbing her nose absently while she went on talking about the accordion plating there's a woman on joy street does it said she she lives just opposite the schoolhouse and she does it awful cheap only three cents a yard she thrust the handkerchief into her pocket you haven't got it half off said abby let us stay there then said the girl indifferently if you work pasting linings in a shoe shop you've got to get pasted yourself ellen looked at the girl with a curious reflection that she spoke the truth that she really was pasted herself that the soil and the grind of her labor were wearing on her soul she had seen this girl out of the shop in fact only the day before and no one would have known her for the same person when her light hair was curled and she was prettily dressed she was quite a beauty in the shop she was a slattern and seemed to go down under the wheels of her toil on joy street you said said sadie Peel. yes right opposite the schoolhouse her name is Brackett." then the one o'clock whistle blew and everybody ellen with the rest went back to their stations robert lloyd did not come into the room again that afternoon ellen worked on steadily and gained swiftness every now and then the foreman came and spoke encouragingly to her look out Mamie," he said to the girl at her side or she'll get ahead of you i don't want to get ahead of her said ellen unexpectedly Flynn laughed hm. if you don't you ain't much like the other girls in this shop said he passing on with his urbane slightly important swing of shoulders did you mean that asked Mamie brady yes i did it seems to me you work fast enough for any girl a girl isn't a machine you're a queer thing said mamie brady if i were you i would just as soon get ahead as not especially if ed flynn was going to come and praise me for it ellen shrugged her shoulders and tied another knot you're a queer thing said mamie brady while her fingers flew like live wires End of chapter thirty five